Isn't it great to be called a friend of God? Especially when we think of what we studied last week in Romans, that God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were enemies of God, and now he's our friend. What an amazing thought. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the friendship that we have with you. Lord, we thank you for this great gift of salvation. I pray, Lord, that it would impact us not just in our eternal destiny, but in the way we live our lives and in the way we reach others for you. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, representatives are important, are they not? In fact, uh, we have a representative right here in our own church. I didn't uh, ask him to say anything, so, uh, so don't, don't start fretting, Tom, wherever you're at. Uh, uh, but uh, re- representatives are important. And I had the opportunity a while back to go and pray and as, they, as uh, we opened up and, uh, it with the, uh, the session. And I had the opportunity to do that and to see how he represented. And, and when I hear of some of the things that he's doing and fighting the front lines of some of our cultural war that's going on... And, and uh, as he was uh, working to defund Planned Parenthood, and you know, I, I'm very proud of him. You know, I'm proud of him. Why? Because I feel like he represents me well. That's his job is to represent us. And and so when a representative is doing their job well, it's an exciting thing. When a representative is not doing what we want them to do, and we feel that they're not fairly representing us well, then then it's a different emotion that I would. Used to describe the, that what I feel in that in that time, wouldn't you agree? Now this is not about politics, so I'm not going to get into the Iran deal or anything like that, or some of those things where maybe our representatives don't represent what we want. I'm not going to get into that, but I am going to talk about representatives today, because when we come to Romans chapter five and starting in verses twelve, we we see a comparison between two representatives of mankind. So as we uh, turn together to Romans chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, and we're studying Romans, that we're making sense of what matters most, talking about the gospel. So far, just to, to make sure everyone's caught up with where we're at, uh, for those who haven't been able to be here each week, we've talked about the doctrine of sin. We've talked about uh, how God is just in punishing us for our sins. But then we've talked about the doctrine of salvation. How God, by grace has provided a means of salvation for us through faith and that we have to respond through faith and that it is not of works. There's nothing that we could do to earn this salvation as we're just now starting to get into the topic of sanctification, that process of how God is molding us into who uh, we need to be. Last week we talked about the remembering the high price of salvation in the first verses of Romans chapter 5. We talked about how Christ did not simply risk his life, but he gave his life. He knowingly gave his life for us. He died for us while we were still sinners. Even for the people who were crucifying him in that moment, he was dying for their sins. And then we saw how Christ took the wrath that we deserved and he took it upon himself. And that's why we can call God our friend today. Amen? Oh, come on, that's horrible. Amen? All right, come on. You've got you to let this, let this sink into your heart, all right? If we're just preaching to the head, that's not enough. It's got to be in our hearts, right? And, we'll, and that shows up sometimes in the, in the way we express it. And, and so we see that. And then we come to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, which is one of the most theologically significant verses in Scripture. But Romans 5, verse 12, this is what we read. Therefore, 
Just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Wow, when you really look at the the meaning and the theological significance of this verse. This verse has an impact in the doctrine of virgin birth, for example, or um, the doctrine of of the headship of of Adam, whether you believe in seminal headship or federal headship, and I won't get into all of that today. The doctrine of imputation of sin, we find in here. Uh, All of these great theological um, topics uh, are dealt with in in Romans 5.12. So let's unpack Romans 5.12 a little bit and let's take it apart and then put it back together and see if we can get some new, uh, some understanding of, of this great salvation that we have a little bit more. So if we look at the first word, therefore, the word therefore obviously connects what, it, what, it, what Paul is about to say with what has just been said. So in light of what he just said, therefore, so what is the therefore in this case? It's remembering that high price of salvation. In light of what Jesus Christ did, in light of the fact that he took the wrath upon himself, therefore, in light of this, then he goes on, therefore, just as, I'm going to stop there once again. Normally we don't stop uh, after only a word or two, but just as. These are words of comparison, right? When you say just as, well, just as this, well, then you're about to say that. And, and so this is, these are words of comparison. And so we're going to find that there's an act, actually a comparison in this text between two representatives. And so he's talking about the first one now. But in, in the, the, the normal way that Paul writes, in fact, Paul writes the way he talks. And so he, he gets excited. I don't know about you, but, but, I, but we, we, we can just see the excitement coming right out of the words. He gets so excited that oftentimes he'll start a sentence and not finish it until four, five, six, seven verses later sometimes, right? And so we see that here once again. Uh, in fact, uh, there's one sentence that Paul uh, writes that covers uh, 17 different verses. And uh, it's all one run sense because we see that uh, here because we see that joy that's coming out of Paul the, the excitement that comes out he's a just as and then he doesn't actually finish that thought in this verse and he's going to come back to it so for now just remember that this is going to be a comparison so take the words just as put them on the back burner and, uh, and we'll put them back on the front burner in just a few moments so we're looking at what he's comparing now if you look at the verse therefore just as through one man sin, and sin entered into the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. We see how one man was a representative for all men. And that's really what we're, we're talking about uh, here today. We're talking about mankind's first representative. And who was that representative? Exactly. We're talking about Adam. We're talking about Adam. And what does it say about Adam? It says, through one man, through Adam... Sin entered into the world. So sin came into the world through one man. When you think about the story of creation, when God created light and and separated the light from the darkness, at the end of the day, what did he say about his creation so far? It's good. Then after day two, he he created the firmament and and the seas, and God at the end of that day said, it's good. And after day three... And then we see him create the land. And, and after creating the land, God ended the day by saying, yeah, it's good. And then the second half of the week of creation, he starts filling all of these things. And so he fills the, the sky with lights. And after the end of that day, he said, it's good. 
And then, just as he had created the, the sea and the sky, on, on day, uh, four, uh, or day five, he's filling the, the sea and the sky. He fills the sky with birds. He fills the sea with, with fish and the creatures of the sea. And at the end of that day, it's good. And then day five, he creates land animals. It's good. He creates human, human beings in his own image, and it's very good. And so we, we realize that the way God created his creation, it was good. By the time he was done, it was very good. But Adam brought sin into the world. Prior to Adam, there was no sin. There was no consequences of sin. But Adam brought sin into the world, opening the, the gates for a whole flood of results to take place because of that. And it goes on to say in the, in the verse, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and what? And death through sin. In other words, without sin, there would be no death. I don't know about you, but I hate death. Am I the only one? I hate death. You know, I hate the thought of death. I, I, I hate the fact that, that I'm separated from loved ones because of death. Many of you have loved ones that are at home with, with God right now, right? But don't you still hate the fact that you can't see them, if you're honest? Yeah. And so I hate death, and yet death came because of sin. And then it goes on to say, so death passed upon all men. Why? Because all sinned. And so all of us go through this process. All of us, all of us uh, suffer from that. So... When we, when we look, we see how sin entered into the world and death followed it. So death has conquered the entire world. And why is that? Because we've all sinned. By the way, if we were honest enough to admit that we're sinners, then we'd have to look at Adam and say, is Adam an accurate representative for us? Think about it, because a lot of times we want to point fingers, but... In reality, he's an accurate representation of us. But in this verse, we find two universal forces. Uh, they're not the only two, but they're, they're, they're two universal forces that we find. Uh, and there's a causal relationship between them. The first one is sin. What I mean by sin being universal is that everybody has. We are all sinners by nature. From the time of Adam now until us, guess what? Sinners beget sinners. Right? And because of that, we're all sinners by nature. Sin is universal. That's what we mean when we say it's a universal force. Do you believe that we're born as sinners? I mean, babies are cute, aren't they? Some of you have babies here, right? In fact, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated uh, the, the birth of, of one of our own newest uh, additions to the church family here. Not a member yet, but, uh, but we celebrate those when, when, a, when a baby's born, we send out cards and we send out pictures. And, and babies are cute, but uh, are babies sinners? They are. In fact, uh, there was a, a commission in Minnesota called the Minnesota Crime Commission where they were studying human nature. And they're trying to figure out how in the world do we keep people from, from going off the, the, the straight and narrow path of, becoming, of being productive citizens and how do you keep them from becoming unproductive citizens or delinquents? And so they really started studying human nature. And they came up with this frightening but actually factual conclusion. And this is what they came up with. 
said, every baby starts life as a little savage. (laughs) Now remember, this is before the politically correct movement took place, and you're allowed to be accurate. Every baby starts life as a little savage. He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toy, his uncle's watch. Deny him these wants, and he seethes with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. <laughs> That's true. I've seen the look that some of those babies give me when I take something or that, I, that they're not supposed to have, and if they, if they had the power to have their wishes ha- take place, I would be wiped out of existence, right? <laughs> Fortunately, they're helpless. goes on to say, he is dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, are born delinquent. If permitted to continue in the self-centered world of his infancy, given free reign to his impulsive actions to satisfy his wants, every child would grow up as a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. I'll tell you what, they hit the nail on the head, did they not? That is human nature. It is universal, and we see that in Romans chapter 5. Uh, for, for as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, because all have sin. The moment you start thinking of yourself as sinless, uh, the moment you realize, or that everyone else realizes, how deceived you are. Right? We know it. We can see it in, a, in each other. It's hard to see it in ourselves sometimes. But we see it in each other. There was a, an expose on human nature in a book by William Golding that some of you may have read called Lord of the Flies. It was during an unknown wartime. They don't mention what war. When a plane goes down carrying a, a group of, of, of children, really boys, from a private school. And it's shot down somewhere over the Pacific, and they make their way. The survivors, without adult supervision, have to, have to survive on an island. And it doesn't take long before the, the savage nature of those kids comes out. And we find that even children can be guilty of such cruelty. And the name-calling, and the insulting, and the casting people out of their circles, and eventually even murder. Why? It's because they took away the outside force that was trying to help them become civilized children and they followed their human natures. This is our human nature. This is what we would all be without someone outside coming and changing us. Isn't that true? So death uh, is the result. When you look at, at sin, is the first universal and, and the second universal is death. Because of sin, we have death. And so death now has a consequence. In fact, if we continue to read in verse 13 and 14, this is what we find. It says, For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So what he's saying here at the beginning, it's, if you take a timeline, then you have to, to look at the, the history of, of the world. Adam comes in pretty, pretty early in that process, right? Right? Day six. 
And if you go from, the, from there to the time of Moses in a timeline, that's when we find the law. And so a lot of the, the Jews who were reading this were, were thinking, wait a minute, if there's no law, there's no sin. But what does he actually say in verse 13? For until the law, a time prior to the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. There was still the sinful nature. There was still sinful nature, but sin exposes the sinful nature. Uh, it's kind of like if we were to say, boy, if we eliminated speed limits, we would be much safer on the roads because nobody would be guilty of speeding. Right? So let's just eliminate speed limits. No one would be safe. I mean, we'd be safer. No. The law exists to expose the recklessness of going fast, right? The law doesn't make us sin. It shows us when we're sinning. And it's the same way here. We, we see that even before the law, they were in sin. Uh, they, that's what, what Romans 5.13 is saying, that there was still sin. In fact, God had already given directions. He gave directions to Adam and Eve, and did they obey them? He gave directions to mankind. Do you remember what he said in what I call the Great Commission of the Old Testament? Be, be fruitful, multiply, fill, spread out, and, and, and to have dominion. That means to take care of and, and uh, take, take charge of all of the earth and the animals in it. Four commands that he gave to us. And in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we only find four stories. Over 2,000 years of history... Only four select stories pulled out of there. The story of Adam and Eve. Uh, the story of Cain and Abel. The story of Babel, or the flood, and the story of Babel. And did you know that each one of those shows how mankind failed in each of those things? first 11 chapters of the Bible were given to help us understand that we're sinners. That's, what, that's our nature. We're sinners. And what does the verse say? Is that death reigns. That death reigned from the time of Adam to Moses. And guess what? It continues to reign in the lives of people today. In fact, if you go to Genesis chapter 5, let's keep a finger somewhere here in, in Romans, but let's take a look at Genesis chapter 5 for a moment. And this is a passage that a lot of people skip over because it's a genealogy, but don't skip over genealogies. So, since Romans 5 says that death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, let's take a look and see what that means. If we go back to Genesis, it says uh, in verse 1, This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years. And what's the next three verses, words? And he died. That wasn't the original state. There was no death in the creation until Adam sinned. Let's continue to read. Verse 6, Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. After he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Enosh lived 90, 90 years and begot Canaan. 
After he begot Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he died. We could go on and, and on. How does the narrative of every man's life end by nature? And he died. Death reigned. Death reigned. No one can conquer death in and of themselves. I have good news that there is a conquering of death. Amen? But by nature, we can't do it. We are mortals. I want to ask you a question. How many of you have parents, biological parents, that are alive today that you know of? Can you raise your hand? Okay, a lot of you. All right. Keep your hands up. Now, keep your hands up if you have grandparents that are alive today. Okay, that's where I have to take my hand down. Okay, I still see some hands. Okay, keep your hands up if you have great-grandparents. Anyone? Okay, I see one. I see one up here. Yeah. Now, keep your hand raised if you have great-great-grandparents. No more hands up. You don't have to go back very many generations to realize that death reigns. But God's put eternity in our hearts, but yet we find that death is what happens to all people. Death still reigns. We're mortal. So to recap, where we're at right now, sin enters into the world through Adam. Because of that, death reigns over all mankind. Now remember, this is part of a, compar- of a comparison, right? So let's take the words just as, we put them on the back burner, let's put them on the front burner for a moment here, right? So we're going to look at the, at the comparison now when we look at the, the last representative. So what we find with Adam, there was through one act, was, uh, was, uh, we found that sin, or was his act of disobedience a sin. The result was death. Now we're going to continue in verse, verses 15 through the first half of verse 16. It says, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of um, and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. Do you see what Paul's doing here? He's entering a new representative. And he's saying, Adam was, was one representative, but now Jesus enters the scene. He's a new representative, and he's saying this is, there's some similarities and there's some differences between the first Adam, the first representative, and the last Adam, which is Jesus. And so Jesus, in place of the, of the act of disobedience, has an act of obedience, and Jesus sacrificed himself. Why? Because this is, this is in Romans 12, 13. So, Therefore, in light of what we just read, and this is what we just read, it was about Jesus' sacrifice. So Jesus did, had a different act, and his act of sacrifice um, plays a role. See, Adam was a representation of, of for all mankind, and now we turn to Jesus, and his act was not sin, but it was sacrifice. It was one of, uh, I mean, one was an act of disobedience, right? The other was an act of obedience. One was an act of selfishness, when we think of Adam. The other is an act of selflessness, completely different. Adam's act was a desire to become like God, if you remember Genesis 3. The act of Jesus is where he emptied himself and became like man for us to become that sacrifice. Through this sacrifice, we see the difference. 
Romans 5:16b, we read, "For the judgment which came from one offense often resulted, or uh, excuse me, uh, offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from the many offenses resulted in justification." So not only is the act different, but the result is different. So, so if the act uh, of Adam was, was sinful and the result was condemnation, the act of Jesus was, was a sacrificial act. And the result is justification, which leads to life. Which leads to life. I was hoping to hear a couple of amens in there. <laughs> because all of us were under under the condemnation by nature, from birth, the condemnation of death because we're sinners. And Jesus came to offer us life through justification. Romans 5, 17 through 19, then just puts it all together. I love the way Paul sums up. And he puts it all together. And this is what we read. It says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. You know, when you, when you think about that, we realize that we have the cure for death at our grasp. Well, we can't earn it. We can't deserve it. We can't, but it's there. It's freely available. I hate death. God made a way for it. Imagine for a moment if I had a cure for some type of terminal disease. And I kept that to myself. What would you think of me? Selfish. Yeah, selfish. Wouldn't I, or wouldn't you expect me to proclaim that, get on the rooftops and proclaim it to the world? Yeah, you would. Some people might think I'm goofy. There's no way there's a cure for those diseases. That whatever. And people might, well, so I guess I don't want to risk that, so I keep it to myself. How would you feel about it? We don't have the cure for a terminal disease. We have the cure for every terminal disease. We have the cure for death that that Romans is talking about, that Paul has explained to us. We have the cure for death. And it isn't by surviving forever in this body. It isn't surviving forever in this life. It's in that when this body dies, guess what? Our soul does not have to die. Our soul can go on forever in eternal life. That is an amazing thing. That's what the Bible is talking to us about. Now, some of the Jews that were reading this for the first time, they're saying, wait a minute, what's the, what's the purpose of the law then? I thought that, that we were supposed to earn this salvation by obedience to the law, and, and so why on earth am I even striving to, to obey the law? And, and, and that's uh, where we have to ex- explain what the, what the law is. And so Paul says in the last couple uh, verses of this, of this topic, he says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound but where sin abounded grace abounded much more so that all the as sin reigned in death even so grace might reign through the righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our lord 
In other words, the law is there to expose our sin. It isn't there to, for us to, to learn the steps of working our way to salvation. It doesn't work that way, does it? It's, it goes back to that idea of if we eliminated speed limits, no one would speed. No, we would, we're, we're sinners. But the law exposes our sin. It lets us know. It's, it's, more, it's not the medication we take to heal ourselves. It's more of the test that we take to realize that we have a terminal disease to begin with. Right? And I have bad news for all of us, but even better news for all of us. The bad news is that all of us are terminal. Right? You all have a terminal disease. Because you are sinners, because I'm a sinner, if we continue in our... We will die. That's the bad news. But the good news is that we have two potential representatives. Right? See, the law was never intended to make us good. It merely exposes how bad we are so that we would seek and accept the free gift of salvation offered to us by Jesus Christ. So we have two representatives. The comparison is that they both represent us. They they both have the capacity to represent mankind. Through Adam, sin entered the world and death passed upon all men because of Adam. Right? But they're different in, in a couple of ways. And one is that through Adam, through Adam's sinful act of disobedience, he brought sin into the world. Right? But through Jesus' sacrificial and selfless act of obedience, he brought grace into the world. The result of Adam's sin is condemnation and death. The result of Jesus' act on the cross is justification and life. Amen. But we have a problem. We have a default representative. And that default representative is Adam. Is it not? We are born with sin natures. This is who we follow. He is our default representative. And he failed to live up to the law. And honestly, we fail to live up to the law. We're all sinners. So when you look at the big picture, Adam's sin brought condemnation and death. Jesus' sacrifice brought justification and life. What about you today? Just a couple questions I want to ask you as we we think through how to apply this to ourselves today. What about you? The first question I want to ask you, and I'm going to stray a little bit from the questions that I put on there as as things I put on my heart even from as I'm talking, but the first question is, who's your representative? Because if, you have never, if, there's, if there's never been a moment in your life where you have understood what it meant for Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins, and if you've never placed your faith in what he did for you, then your representative is your default representative, and that is Adam. And like Adam, you have sinned. And like Adam, you are, you are, you are by nature an enemy of God. And all the stuff that we sang about this morning, about I am a friend of God, that doesn't apply to you. And I guarantee in a group this size, there are some in here right now that can sing that and may even participate in all that. But there's probably some in here right now that cannot say that they've ever accepted the free gift of salvation that Paul is talking about in Romans 5. And that's the bad news. The good news is you can do that today. In fact, I would like you just for a moment to bow your, bow your heads, close your eyes, because I don't want anyone looking around. 
And if there's anyone here today that would have to say, Pastor Dave, if I'm honest, I'd have to say that I have never, I've never asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I have never accepted the free gift of salvation that he gave to me on the cross by dying for my sins. If that's you today, then even before you leave, I'm going to give you an opportunity right right this moment, right from your seat. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward right now. I'm just going to ask you to pray to the Lord right now. There's no magic formula, but... Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so I'm just going to ask you to pray with me if, this is, if that's you today. Pray this prayer. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have offended you. And I know that you would be just to punish me for my sins. But I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. And I accept that. And I ask him to be the Lord and the Savior. I thank you for this free gift of eternal life. Thank you in Christ. Amen. You can open up your eyes for a moment. I would just ask you, if, if you, if you prayed that prayer today, would you catch me at the end of the service? I'd love to talk to you. I have some things I'd like to give you, some, other, some things that can help you in your new relationship with God and explain what, what, it, what that decision means. Now, I also want to ask a question to you. For those of you who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you know for sure that you have, you've accepted the Lord as your Savior, and you know that Jesus is your representative. What are you doing with that message? that he's given to you. What are you doing with that free gift? You hold in your hands the cure to death. What are you doing with that? You know, there was a, a man who found a cure for certain types of cancer. Unfortunately, it's a cheap way of dealing with cancer. When he tried to get it approved, it was not accepted because he was not connected to any organization. And, and uh, man, cure for, for several types of cancer. He only worked with those who were terminal, who were given months to live, 80% success of actually curing them of cancer. If, if this man uh, if this man was, was give, given the ability to, to do that and not allowed to offer that to people. How does that make you feel when I tell you that story? It's a tragedy, isn't it? He was not allowed to. He was run out of the country, actually. And, and I've met people personally who, who, who cured of their cancer. But you know what? What's even more tragic than that? It isn't the government that shuts down that. What's more tragic than that is a church has the cure for death in their word. And we believe this word and we don't share it. 
We have brothers and sisters, cousins. We have neighbors. We have schoolmates. We have coworkers. And for whatever reason, we say, oh, I can't share it with them because I'm embarrassed or they might think I'm crazy or they might do this and that. And we're not sharing. Their representative, I just want you to know, their representative is Adam. And you need to tell them about Jesus Christ. That's the what about you question that I want to share with you today. Are you willing to take that message and make a commitment to God and say, Lord, I commit that as you bring people my way, I'll share the good news of Jesus Christ. Simple commitment. That's all I'm going to ask. That's the only what about you question I'm going to ask for you today. Will you make that commitment? If that's you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just to come forward as we sing in just a moment. Come forward. I'm not going to ask you to give a testimony. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that would embarrass you. Just come up and just pray to the Lord and say, Lord, I commit to you that I am going to be an ambassador for you. I am going to be a good representative for you so that people will know how they can have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Let's stand together as, as we sing.